Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome into the Big Ten Show. I am your host, Adam Carricker, and I got a special guest with me today. But before we bring that man on, make sure you go and see what our friends at the Jacobson Seed Company are all about. They're your healthy hybrid advantage. Farmers, thanks for watching the Big Ten Show, but we can give you more than just great Big Ten coverage. We can help you with your fields. Go to jacobsonseed.com. The Jacobson Seed Company, your healthy hybrid advantage. Again, that's jacobsonseed.com. So my guest today is the founder and CEO of AYS Sports and the co-host of the Rafino and Joe Show. Mr. Blake Rafino, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, Adam. Thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime I can come on and talk some college football, I'm really excited. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. I appreciate you joining me. We got a plethora of things to talk about. I know you cover LSU specifically. I want to talk about Jaden Daniels, where he might go in the draft, what teams might be a good fit. But let's talk something else first, okay? okay. Let's talk about a man, Chip Kelly, a man who's been a two-time head coach in the NFL, took Oregon to almost new heights, okay? He, he helped them rise to where they are now. The only thing they haven't done is really win a national title, okay? Right. This man... I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a demotion going from head coach to offensive coordinator. Didn't even go to the NFL. He went to a, you could call maybe a overall better football program in Ohio State, but he left the head coaching job at UCLA, which isn't a bad job, by the way, to be the offensive coordinator, okay, with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now he's joining up with Ryan Day, who had been with him at New Hampshire and Philadelphia and the Niners, okay, and he's taken, now we don't know the, the exact terms of the contracts, but Ohio State's got to pay $1.5 million to buy out his contract. Kelly had just gotten his second extension. He made over $6 million last year. Now he's going to take what we expect to be over a $4 million pay cut to do this. Make sense of this for me, man. Help me out. Why would he do this? I think, and Adam, you know, on Rafino and Joe, we had talked about this a lot. Even a month ago, there were rumblings out there that Chip Kelly might be fired at UCLA, right? Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of things going on with Chip and, and do they want to move on from him? I had the take and just overall thought process. You need to fire him now if you're UCLA. You know, you want to know why? He's not recruiting at the level he needs to recruit at. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's not doing what he needs to do at a program like UCLA. Now that they're going into the Big Ten, look, you're a tier four, tier five program going into the Big Ten. This is a big leap. This is a big deal. And I got ridiculed for it. Well, the main reason is you can't be lazy in today's world in recruiting. I mm -hmm. know everybody wants to have, well, these college coaches, they don't like NIL in the portal. Everybody's dealing with it. Everybody is having to deal with, hey, ask Ohio State where you're going, the running back that you just got, the quarterback that you're going to have in Will Howard. Where did they come from? They weren't there last year. Quinshawn Juckins was not there last year. So my, my thought was is that I just thought Chip Kelly was just done. Like, hey, man, I just want to call plays. I don't want to have to deal with any of this stuff, and I want to move on. So, you know, it's funny, Adam, because we, if you look at it as like a human, I, I, I start asking myself, did he just want less stress? And how much do you put a price tag on how less stress he has of being the head coach at UCLA, by the way, was going to go into the Big Ten and really start mm -hmm. his, you know, his butt kicked. Yep. Now he goes to a place where he can somewhat take a step back, revamp himself, his career, and look, when they're the, one of the best offensive or offensive teams in the country, Florida's got an opening with Billy Napier. It's coming, okay? 
You mean to tell me they're not going to ask Chip Kelly his, his, what he wants to do? He's going to be in those conversations of, hey, Chip Kelly's at Ohio State. What do you do with him? I, I just think that he did not want to be in the forefront of what's going on with NIL. And look, let's call it what it is. At Ohio State, you can walk in there and say, we're Ohio State. They have guys that are going to enact NIL. They have everything rolling at Ohio State where he can just recruit a little, Call plays and be fine. But one one final thing for me on Chip Kelly, okay? You cannot say that UCLA did not give him some things that he needed there. Dante Moore was a five-star quarterback, a top-five prospect in the country. How does he get there, Adam? Uh, like, let's not be naive on how a quarterback in high school that highly mm -hmm. ranked gets there. You had booster backing. That's the biggest excuse. When I watched Deshaun Foster at UCLA drawing a hunt, 200 people and boosters being there wanting to support him, mm -hmm. Chip, it, it seems a little bit lazy and him not wanting to go out there and recruit. But that's the way that I, I view it. But going to Ohio State, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, what a heck of a move. My goodness. This is a heck of a, a play calling move. I want to get into Ohio State in a minute because they're my team to beat in the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to no be a shocking take. I got them as a top two team in the country right now at this moment in time, you know, when we're playing no games and had no practices. But for now, it's all we got to talk about. I got Georgia and Ohio State neck and neck right now at this moment in time. But let's go back to Chip Kelly. I don't think UCLA is a bad job. I mean, you're in I California. You got all these other schools that used to be in the Pac-12, now the mighty Pac-2 or whatever's going on with them, and then all these other schools going to the Big 12. Recruits are not going to look, no disrespect, to Utah and Arizona, Arizona State. They're not going to see them the same as they see a Big 10 school, which UCLA is in California. And one of the few West Coast Big 10 schools, which actually would make it a thousand times easier to recruit, I would imagine. Because now Stanford and Cal, your other in-state competition along with USC, Hey, you want to go play there? You're going to go halfway across the country like half a dozen or more times a year. I'm pretty right. sure UCLA is not a bad job. But you look at UCLA right now. They lost their head coach, okay, to a demotion is how I see it. And obviously Chip Kelly's happy with it. There comes a certain point in your life where quality of life, if you've made a lot of money like Chip is, matters more than maybe the amount of money you're making. Now, when it comes to Chip, he had not been recruiting at a high level. Now, to your point, had UCLA fired him, here's why they probably didn't want to fire him. They would have had to pay him $8.5 million. Right. And I think that, Chip was right. trying to wait that out, and it, you know, finally he's just like, I'm out. But here's the other thing with UCLA. They lost their D coordinator, not to a promotion, but to their crosstown rival for the same freaking job. So UCLA needs to get fired up. They need to do something. Now, I want to chat about Deshaun Foster real quick. This mm -hmm. is a guy, he's a new head coach, for those who don't know, great player at UCLA, UCLA Hall of Fame, seven-year NFL vet, second-team All-American in 2001. I grew up watching this guy. I'm a big fan of this guy. I liked UCLA better than UC, USC growing up as a kid. Ditto. Okay, but here's my issue with Deshaun, because I'm not convinced that this is a great hire. And here's why. He's never been anything but a running backs coach, never been a coordinator, obviously not been a head coach. Again, I'm a big fan of him, and I'm rooting for him. But I can't help but wonder if this is more of a homegrown hire than it is a good hire. What do you think? I agree with you. It's a homegrown hire, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I I, don't want to use the word lazy because it's easy to use the word lazy. This is as lazy as you can get. Now, mm -hmm. the question becomes, we were just got done talking about chip and recruiting. How much can a guy that's from there – a guy that played there, how can he revamp a booster base that does have some money? 
can mm-hmm. he get some things rolling in recruiting? Because look, we try to oversimplify football or overcomplicate football, excuse me, so much. Inside zone is inside zone. Running mm-hmm. the football is running the football. If you have the personnel, ask Michigan what they did. They ran inside zone 37 times in the national championship game. Want to know how they won? They had better players along the offensive line. That's how they won. But I agree with you on the big part. We don't know how he structures an offense. We don't know how he structures defense. What does he do in a critical third down? Like, what if they are playing their crosstown rival USC and it's third and one or third and two, or you got to go for it on fourth down? We don't know what he's going to do, and he's going to have to learn on the job. Now, he's been around Mm -hmm. football. He has been around a lot of big-time situations. Obviously, as a Saints fan, personally, I remember him at Carolina. The first run that he had was 67 yards for a touchdown. He was a great player. But that doesn't – if anybody else in the country would have gone and hired a position coach to be their head coach, what would we be doing? We would be putting down on that hire, and rightfully so. Now, there's there's a lot of things that he has to fix, none bigger than recruiting, in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. I do think that he has a talent base that he can go and implement. I just worry about a program. And, and Adam, here's the biggest thing. I I always watch hard knocks like the NFL, Mm -hmm. and I remember Jeff Fisher – you know, when they left St. Louis and went to L.A. and how big of a transition that was, a first-time head coach going into the Big Ten is a massive transition. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't know what he's doing on the field and it's going to be learning by experience because he's a first-time head coach, what about going into the Big Ten? Hey, when do you leave for a – I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but if they if you go to the Midwest, do I leave on a Wednesday? Do I leave on a Thursday? Where do I structure – practices if I want to practice on a Friday there are so many different things that he does not have experience in and like you mentioned he's never called plays I I, I worry for this but you're gonna ha- if you're gonna make a move like this in my opinion you got to give him a minimum of four years oh yes you, you can't just allow mm-hmm. you can't just let him and come in here expect him in one two three years to to really change things I will say one thing now, my counter, my co-host completely disagrees with me, uh, Joe DeLeon. I still think they got talent on this roster now. They got some pieces along the offense and defensive line. They got a good running back core. I think they got some good tackle play. When I went and watched them this week, I'm like, oh, well, these guys are coming back. Like, they didn't hit the portal. Oh, wait, he, he's got some decent wide receiver play. I wouldn't be shocked, though. If they upset some teams that they're not supposed to because they have two chips credit, they have developed at a high level, but, man, it's going to be so hard going into the Big Ten and a really brutal schedule going into that new conference. So I, I agree with you. Like I said, UCLA is not a bad job. This is a team that when I started watching football when I was seven, eight, nine years old, they were in the Rose Bowl every year. They seemingly right. played freaking Wisconsin every year in their bowl game for like umpteen years when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, and then they even played one year in the Sun Bowl on top of like two or three years in the Rose Bowl. So I grew up watching UCLA being a good program, okay? And for me, there's talent in California. Like I mentioned, you got less teams that you're directly competing for these recruits now because you're seen as a Big Ten team, which is a higher level tier, the power two, so to speak, Big Ten SEC. So right. I don't think it's a bad job. I think it's actually still a pretty good job. I think there's talent coming back to your point. Now, when it comes to Chip, it's almost like he was a little bit burnt out and looking right. for less, and sometimes less can be more. And in his case, if he goes to Ohio State and they set the world on fire, win a national championship, 
that man's going to be happy and I'll be happy for him. When you look at Deshaun, again, I'm rooting for him, but I think back to, and Scott Frost, a Husker brother of mine, I got nothing but love for him. I look forward to watching him coach again one day, but this is a man who took a team who didn't win a game, went six and seven, and then went undefeated, and then was the home run hire at Nebraska, but there was such a gargantuan learning curve for him, he struggled. You look at Dion. Now, Dion's one of one, so I don't know mm. if this is apples to apples. Maybe it's not even apples to oranges, watermelons to grapes, because he truly is one of one. It's all still fruit, though. That man's going to out-talent a lot of teams, but my question's always been, can he make the in-game adjustments? Can he make the right clock management moves at the right time? Andy Reid is seen as one of the greatest of all time to coach in the NFL. I remember when he was in Philly, five straight NFC title games, and right. they did not have success in them. And he was questioned for his clock management of all things at that point in time. So I think there's just going to be a learning curve for Deshaun. I think he's going to revitalize people. I think he will recruit well. I think he's going to, like you said, pull off some upsets. I'm curious about the learning curve. How big and how fast and how long does that take? Well, you know, Adam, to your point, he might win some games he's not supposed to. He's going to lose games he's not supposed yep. to lose to, too. You know, and, and so yep. to, to your point, like Scott Frost, how many of those Nebraska games, okay, over the years were one-score games? A lot. <laughs> and, and how many of those yep. are, are based off of, okay, yes, you had the experience at UCF, but when you're facing off against Ohio State, you're facing mm -hmm. off against a team that you might even be as equally as talented, but Pat Narduzzi has been a head coach for 17,000 years because, you know, his social security number is one. That's how old he is. He's had the experience, <laughs> yep. okay, of being in that situation. To your point on Chip, I, I will say this. I, I think that we have seen Chip, though, in a lot of situations where when the going got tough, he didn't bite down on his mouthpiece and try to push forward. But mm -hmm. I understand he got fired in Philadelphia. The way that it ended in San Fran, that's the NFL. But I've seen you at Oregon. Okay, when you couldn't get over that hump in the national championship game, you left. You said, look, I just can't recruit enough here. I, I can't do it, whatever. You go to UCLA, you have the same issue. At some point, you better look in the mirror because it's it's you. You know, for mm -hmm. an example, I, I look at myself in the mirror every day, Adam, and say, hey, I have nice traps, you know, whatever, but I don't have a six-pack. Well, maybe the Twinkie that I had for breakfast is the reason why I don't have a six-pack. <laughs> maybe sometimes you yep. need to go look in the mirror and say to yourself, this falls on me. Now, I will say this, and we'll get to this. Man, it is one of the best coaching moves, though, from paper to paper. If you take out all the stuff from UCLA, if Chip Kelly was just going to be the OC mm -hmm. and now it's going to just be the OC, I don't think that there has been a better offensive coordinator hire in college football like this maybe in the last five years. I mean, it is the biggest coaching move, I think, of since I've been color covering college sports. I, I mean, at least to me. So you go from Chip Kelly to Deshaun, Deshaun Foster. I'm rooting for him, like you said. But, man, what a coaching move. I think probably the biggest head coaching move that we've seen is probably Colorado hiring Dion because actually people care right. about Colorado football for a change. Whether he wins anymore or not, people actually give a crap, which you can't say that since, like, what, the late 90s, mid-90s, maybe 94. I know they were in some Big 12. Cardinal Stewart, games. baby. Yeah, in the early 2000s. Good old Slash and the Steelers. Let's right. talk about, real quick, uh, it, so Chip Kelly, he may be – non-head coaching wise the biggest hire that's happened in the past decade as far as no coordinators doubt. offense and defense nebraska fans would argue tony white and by the way we are all very glad he didn't go to, to be the head coach at ucla i was very happy about that let's go back to ohio state though 
because you've got Ryan Day, a guy who's got an entire roster that is motivated, much like Michigan was this time last year. Okay, they got a lot of guys coming back. You've got Chip Kelly, probably the best offensive coordinator in the country, certainly in the conversation, if not at the top of it. Then you bring in Will Howard, a guy who's going to give an element, uh, a dynamic element with his legs, which you've not had there for a while. So you've got eight returners on defense, one of the best defenses in the country. You got Chip Kelly as the OC. You got a motivated, experienced Ryan Day. You got a loaded, talented roster. Mecca Buka coming back. You got KV, uh, Trayvon Henderson. I always want to say KV on Henderson. I had to write it down. Trayvon Henderson coming back. Like you mentioned, the best running back in the SEC out of Ole Miss. For some reason, transfers to Ohio State. Now you've got the most loaded backfield in the country, Quinshawn Jenkins. Then you got Emeka Buka coming back. Ohio State, to me, is clearly the team to beat in the Big Ten. And like I said, I got them number two to Georgia right now, but I might swap them eventually in this offseason. What are your thoughts? I, well, and they added Caleb Downs, okay? Yes. And, then you yes. have a, and then you have a college head coach, Kirby, tweeting out the link to their collective when he commits to Ohio State. It's, it's national title game or bust. Mm-hmm. Either you win or lose that one. Look, it's so hard to win a national championship. And with a new 12-team playoff, there's no telling what the structure and how teams are going to react to all of this. Anything can happen in a playoff setting. We know that from just watching sports in general. You cannot bring in that type of talent, okay, and say to yourself that you can't be there. You know, I give an example because I'm an LSU guy. LSU baseball last year went and got four okay, first-round picks in the transfer portal. And when they weren't going to the national title game and everybody thought that they weren't, everybody's like, head coach failed. He failed. Mm -hmm. What's the same thing here? You cannot go into the portal, like what A&M did in recruiting a couple years ago and why Jimbo ultimately failed failed at A&M. You can't – and the new Ohio State AD, Ross Bjork was the one that fired him, ironically enough. You cannot have this type of talent and not be there. You know, it's like the my son's big with Spider-Man. I always love using the saying with great response or with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. With high recruiting classes comes high expectations. If you're not there at the end, it's a failure because they have arguably the best wide receiver core in the country. They do have the best running back core in the country. Mm-hmm. They bring back a lot of pieces on defense. You had the best, arguably two of the best play callers in the country with Chip Kelly and Ryan Day, which, by the way, I'm old enough to remember when Ryan Day had Georgia, the national champion, on the ropes there at the mm-hmm. end to win a game in a playoff and because and, they would have killed TCU. Basically, they kick that field goal, they make it, they're going to win a national title. Mm-hmm. They're there. And I think, too, Adam, the biggest thing is Ryan Day has so much pressure on him right now to be successful more than anybody in the country because of what they did in the portal. But I just don't know when you go paper for paper, talent for talent across the board with Ohio state. I think that Georgia might be the only team that equals them. I Mm -hmm. I, I don't see anybody else right now in February on Valentine's day that you can say is better than them. Name them because you're not going to be able to find it. They they've done better with the offensive line. But there is one thing that I I caution. Will Howard did have struggles at Kansas State, Mm -hmm. okay? He was turnover prone. There was a reason why he kind of got pushed out there at the end. But you got Julian saying, you got Aaron Nolan. What does Devin Brown do? They're so deep at so many positions 
that I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if I – Adam, I'm going to tell you, we'll probably do our rankings, our way too early rankings in March. I think I'm going to have them at one because it's just so much talent there. I can't ignore it. Georgia – and there's a lot of question marks about Ryan Day because he took over the program from Urban, and it was he was he was born on third base in some people's eyes. I get all of that. Georgia not only has the talent, they got the one head coach in the country that people probably think is the best head coach in the country now that Nick Saban is in the booth no on game day. It's funny you brought up Will Howard because I was going to mention this. I don't want to say he got pushed out at Kansas State, but freshman quarterback Avery Johnson and his beautiful locks. There's a reason Will Howard entered the transfer portal. Now, what's funny is the guy before him, a former Nebraska guy who transferred into Ohio State, Adrian Martinez, got pushed out by Will Howard when Adrian got hurt and Will came in and played well. It's just kind of the world that we live in. Last couple topics I want to talk about. So in fairness to Chip Kelly, and I've talked about this a million times on my other shows, especially on the tickets, being a head coach in college football, it's crazy. There's 17 programs, where you and I were chatting before this, that have hired GMs. Now, what's the GM job going to look like? It's speculation at this moment in time. To me, I expect it to be the NFL GM type role. Like, you got to manage the roster. You got to manage money. You got to manage the players that are coming and going because the head coach can't do it all, or we're going to see more players, or I'm sorry, more head coaches doing what we've seen coaches do this offseason go from head right. coach in college to coordinators in the NFL, or in Chip's case, head coach in college to coordinator in college. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> I've been talking about this for about two years, and it's fallen on deaf ears, okay? <laughs> because I've seen – so l let me give an example. When Austin Thomas, who left Ole Miss and was the chief of staff there and left and went somewhere else, obviously uh, to LSU, you had a head coach going on Twitter and trolling – You've also seen Texas just promote a general manager and paid him, and he is the highest-paid general manager in the country because of what he's doing in NIL and recruiting. Adam, coaches, I know that guys like Sarkeesian, Kelly, Day, Kirby Smart, all are making so much money. They cannot, okay, do everything that they're supposed to do on a given day and still have to worry about NIL, going and have lunch with boosters to raise funds and doing things for, for specific kids and players, it fractures locker rooms. I've heard war stories, horrible stories about what happened at A&M, okay, mm -hmm. because of contracts and these players are mad at, at this guy making this much money. So many bad things. What you said earlier, a general manager in college football – is legitimately going to be a lot like what it is in the NFL. I talked to a front office guy in Texas today or this morning, really good friend of mine. He goes, Blake, now that college football are bringing in general manager roles for roster, NIL, stuff like that, well, you know, I this is a full-time job for me in the NFL. It's actually going to be a little bit easier for me if I want to get one of these college general manager roles. So now that you see some head coaches moving – I don't know if you don't see NFL front office guys, what we saw Michigan just pull off, okay, mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, NFL guys moving down because, look, man, NFL is one thing, but college football is, is, is completely different. I do think you're going to see a whole lot of more teams. I know Nebraska did it, LSU did it, Ole Miss, Texas, Georgia, Michigan. 
you're just going to see so many more of that because a head coach just cannot have those conversations on a day-in, day-out basis, and they don't want to. They don't mm. want to have money conversations. They want to be recruit, talk football. That's what they want to do. These coaches are not businessmen, and you're having businessmen that are having to be hired to enact these collectives and NIL and things like that. So I do think it's interesting and I do think that we're going to see more teams do this if we don't see – I do think in five years, Adam, I think that every Power 5 program in the country is going to have some form of chief of staff of general manager because college coaches can't do it. And, and look, what are we talking about? A guy making $100,000 a year? If you make the playoff, you're going to get hundred close to $100 million with a billion-dollar TV rep playoff revenue. You mean to tell me that it's not worth spending $100,000 for a guy to be a GM? Get out of here with that. So they're going to spend that money because mainly their coaches want them and they need to. I agree. I think it's it's not even going to be optional like a year from now. I think a year from now it's going to be like mandatory in every head college football coach's eyes, especially a Power 5 coach. All right, man, we got about a minute left, and I want to get your thoughts. Now there's six quarterbacks that stand out to me in this draft. You got J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., okay? The top three that stand out to me are Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. Let me ask you specifically, how would you rank those top three? Do you have a different top three? And where do you see Jaden Daniels being drafted? I assume somewhere in the first round, but where do you see him landing? This Your, your fans are going to absolutely rip me alive for this because they're going to say I'm biased. I'm taking Jaden Daniels number one. Let me tell you why I take Jaden Daniels number one, because I know the leadership that I'm getting with him. And then this week I saw Caleb Williams and look, I'm not this kind of guy. I am not a fan of painting nails and wearing a dress. I want my quarterback to be a quarterback. And we kind of, even myself, we kind of got into it with Caleb Williams during this fingernail discussion last year on social media. And I'm like, look, man, there's gotta be a level of decorum and a maturity mm -hmm. that you have to show. And he has not shown it to me. Now, you stop with the fingernails. I know it was your mom's business. I don't care if you paint your fingernails. I lived my the entire college life with a college catcher, and he had pink fingernails so that pitchers could see when he's calling pitches. The fingernail things don't bother me. It's the message that you have it on there. Then you, this past week, you're, you're wearing a dress. Uh, look, all I'm saying is I've seen Jane Daniels in the SEC do what he's done. Look what he did to Alabama. Look what he did – to Georgia in the first half when they won a national title. People forget that he had 300 total yards and a half on the national champion, and we all had the question, well, if Jaden Daniels can do it, can C.J. Stroud do it against Georgia? I think that he dynamic-wise, he is the most dynamic player in this draft, mainly from the way that he throws the football and the way that he runs. I, Adam, I fully believe this when I say this. I think he's a more polished Lamar Jackson specifically throwing the football. That's how I see it. Now, Caleb Williams, for me, okay, he's talented. I just don't know the maturity I get with him. The only other one would be Drake May. And to be honest with you, it's 1A for me with Drake May. I I'm that high on him. If you took Drake May, don't tell LSU fans I said this, over Jaden Daniels, I wouldn't be too mad. You know, but mm -hmm. uh, I just – I've seen him not win those big games in college football – also, so Peyton Manning not win them too. So okay, a fair point. So I, I, I just I, if it's Drake May one, then Jane Daniels two. It doesn't bother me. I just I'm so far out on Caleb Williams that 
I'm going to get ridiculed for it, but that's just how I see it. Dude, you're not going to get, well, you might get ridiculed, but I love honesty. Okay. Anybody who knows me knows that we're going overtime here. Lindsay can edit however she sees fit. I, I think it's good stuff. <laughs> To me, no there's doubt. a clear one, two, three. Now, how you order those three guys could vary from person to person. It's a Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels. Now, Caleb is as talented as any quarterback to come out in recent no memory. Jaden's probably more polished. Drake is the most under-the-radar quarterback, probably because he played at an ACC school, albeit North Carolina, more of a basketball program than a football program, at least as far as how it's known. When it comes to Caleb Williams, I... I'm not going to get into the politics, whether you agree, whether you don't agree. Agreed. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say two names, polarizing names that were not in the NFL much longer after they became really polarizing. Tim Tebow, don't care if you agree with his religion or not. Colin Kaepernick, don't care if you agree with the bending, taking the knee or not. Those guys, NFL locker rooms, don't want that in their locker room. That is a part of the decision-making process. It's not discrimination. It is what it is. If you're an extremely polarizing guy, like on an above normal level, it's going to be accounted for in the draft process. And that may affect Caleb Williams. It may not. But I guarantee it's going to be talked about by every single team that's evaluating him. No doubt. And if you're that polarizing, to your point, you better be LeBron James athletically. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right? Like If you're that polarizing, if you're that good, like so, for example, Joe Burrow, I, I, I love this because Joe was like, he had an iPhone 11, you know, like, you know, the new iPhones have, <laughs> yeah. don't have like the little, uh, uh, remember when we were old and then you had the little thing where you touch in the middle, the little home mm -hmm. screen button. I do. Yep. I'm like, bro, I tell him one day, I'm like, bro, you know, they have iPhones now where they don't have a home screen button. He goes, literally, I text my girlfriend, my mom, my dad, my brother. I really don't care. But he was polarizing. I like, mm -hmm. I guys, you got to have that type ta talent, Adam. Because if you can't lead a locker room, you're not going to succeed. So that's why I'm out on him. Like you said, politics aside, that's why I'm out on him. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I think this was a great conversation, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Blake Rafino. Check him out on his show, Rafino and Joe, also AYS Sports. This has been the Big Ten Show. I'm Adam Carricker, and we'll see you next time. <clears throat>